Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. Ever thought about going on that hunting adventure of a lifetime? Do you want to take your hunting skills to the next level, but didn't know where to start? This podcast will be for you. Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's hunt the world. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of Hunt the World with Rolling Bones Outdoors. Welcome to the Bone Cave, everybody. We're happy to have you. Um, do, do I say that it's a Monday and it's not a normal day of a you production? You could say that. Can I say that? Yeah, yeah because if it throws your equilibrium <laughs> off enough, you can use it as an excuse why things are so discombobulated. It really is, because normally I don't work from this office on Mondays. I work from another office, and Lindley threw me a wrench yesterday and said, we are going to start a meeting at 9 o'clock at Rolling Bones every Monday. And I'm like, that's a great idea, but now it's kind of wrenched me here. So anyway. Ouch. Well, welcome. Sounds painful. <laughs> welcome to the Bone Cave. I'm Brian Maiman, founder of Rolling Bones, and uh, we are here today. I have bleep to my left, as always, making sure that uh, Kelly doesn't say anything stupid, which will probably be a full-time job on this call. She's the least person I'm worried exactly. about. Exactly. <laughs> I don't need bleep. You need bleep. No, no, no. And he then, bleeps and, himself. And He's then, an uh, auto bleeper. And, auto bleeper. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I am an auto bleeper. Yeah, there's bleeper. an app you for mu- that, actually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, I'm pretty good at it. And then we got hashtag 393, Brad, in, in light of, or in the shadows of, I should say, a long weekend of shooting school with eight amazing students that just went through um, long-range shooting, which we had a, a um, editor and writer for a newspaper here. And uh, um, and then he interviewed me today, and uh, we'll have to talk about that later, but it was funny because um, he was out of his mind, and he wanted to know why we uh, didn't call it long-range shooting, and he didn't understand why we didn't. Oh. And then at the end, he says, now I understand why it's a shooting academy, even though I was shooting out to 1,000, so I'll have to explain that to you. But we just got done with that, and today's Monday. End of so May. And, and it was a blizzard. We had to we had to quit take a half hour pause because we couldn't see the we, targets. We oh <laughs> my <laughs> word! It was ridiculous. The, the yeah. sleet was hitting you in the face like it, it was a little like, like nothing blades. we've ever seen before. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. So anyway, and then we also have, and you've heard from her before, special guest executive um, manager of applications and adventures. Is that right? Director. Close. Executive yeah. director. Cool. Executive Man. director. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, just not a, I'm not <laughs> a title. It's your title. Okay. No, it's not. It's your title, not mine. I should pay attention You're to the it, appointee. though. Ex- executive director of applications and um, adventures. So We'll blame it on a Monday. A- anyway, we'll Monday. blame it on In a Monday. In case you didn't mention it, her name is Kelly Poole. I did mention. Oh, I said, of course, you've heard from her before. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Miss Kelly Poole. Um, I, every morning I come in, I, I greet everybody. With a high five, I say good morning, Brandon. You do, and I give you know that I give everybody, I greet everybody, and uh, Sophie, I call fabulous, and um, I just call Kelly Arnery <laughs> because it doesn't matter how I say good morning. It's yeah, okay. I'm busy. <laughs> I got um, stuff to do. <laughs> so anyway, um, formalities. But you know what? We're really excited, most excited about um, today that we uh, um, and I am super pleased to welcome as our special. We all are super pleased to welcome as our special guest. On Hunt the World, Jeff Yost. So um, recently retired from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Make sure I get this all right because I do want to do a proper introduction um, because we have a very big weekend coming this weekend with Memorial Day weekend. Um, and uh, I always say we need to honor all of those who serve in our public parks and wildlife 
and all those people are an extension because for me they serve this community that I love which is hunting and they're at the forefront of it but Jeff is uh, was a 1993 Colorado State University graduate with a major in wildlife and a minor in range management and began working with the Colorado Parks and Wildlife as a temporary wildlife technician. Um, I'm sure he can tell us what the hell that is. But anyway, um, during that time, he worked at the Foothills Wildlife Research Facility, then at uh, a Tamarack State Wildlife Area. That's pretty cool. That's uh, And from there on to pheasant research and pheasant habitat improvement program on PHIP. What is PHIP? Oh, oh, I'm a uh, duh. Pheasant Habitat Improvement Program or PHIP, okay? Protected Health it. Information or something. Yeah, huh? Protective Health Information <laughs> Not process. So, much. so anyway, <laughs> not for the pheasants anyway. <laughs> so I'm going to keep reading this cuz this is this is super interesting to me. Jeff was hired by CPW full-time in 1997 and worked in southeastern Colorado around uh, uh, Lamar. Later, he took another biologist assignment in Steamboat Springs, which I believe is where you met Miss Kelly Poole, as a as a fluffy flower child <laughs> art student. Is that right, Jeff? Absolutely, driving a VW microbus. Oh, what? Smoking, no. smoke, <laughs> smoking no. and token sage. Smoking and token sage. Going, dude, I want to be a yeah. biologist, man. I can paint a flower, but now I want to chase animals. <laughs> That is incorrect. Got it. Okay, bleep. good. I this was is just where checking. you bleep. Okay, right. You know, we might want to bleep that out because we have really respectful hunters that might not want to affiliate themselves with booking a hunt with something. I thought you were going to um, say so that burn sage. No, <laughs> we have microbus hunters. Oh, microbus hunters. Microbus. Yeah. Okay. So later he took another biologist job assignment in the Steamboat Springs area focused on big game, including bighorn, deer, elk, moose, and pronghorn. Now, that is a very culture-rich part of the state right there. There's a there's a lot of uh, um, confluences that come together in in that Yampa Valley area there, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We got about a little bit of everything up here. I think the only thing we're missing is an ocean. <laughs> Used to be, huh? Yeah. So it was then big that, deer there. Yeah, big deer. There was then that he came into contact with our very own. Oh wait, I should have read ahead. I've already like leaked that out. <laughs> Kelly Poole who worked for Jeff um, doing bear research. So Jeff, you can appreciate my wife's job, who is Kelly's ultimate boss, and you two should probably go have a beer sometime because she definitely is not, uh, um, I mean, you know all the pains we deal with. Oh my God. <laughs> right, absolutely. <laughs> As he was enthusiastically shaking his head. Right, yes. exactly. We are so teasing. But most recently, Jeff has been the state coordinator for Pheasants uh, Forever in Colorado, and he just recently retired from the, that post. He is a native Coloradan, born and raised in Windsor, Colorado. Wow. Back when it was one of the uh, one stoplight town and primarily a farming community. Kind of like where I grew up. That is exactly right. Kind of like where I grew up. Denver, Iowa, I remember when it got its first light. And I remember when they took the interstate around or the highway 63. I remember that well. And then they shut the light off. And Lindley's, Lindley, my, uh, Lindley's, well, I don't need to explain who Lindley is, but Lindley, my wife, her dad owned the um, tallest building in Denver, Iowa, the Milhan building, and it had his carpet store there. So anyway. Um, so I found her on the carpet anyway. Um, <laughs> that was funny. That was called her on the carpet right away from day one. <laughs> so Jeff Yost, welcome to Hunt the World. And uh, I, today we're going to talk about bears. What do you think? Pretty controversial in the state of Colorado right now. 
well, it can be pretty controversial, but first off, uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, um, you guys fire away, ask me anything you want to ask me and, and, uh, I'll try to elaborate as much as I can and pass on some of my knowledge. Um, you know, if, if bears are controversial in Colorado right now, it's because of conflicts between human bear conflicts, whether it's, um, in town bears getting into garbage in people's garages and eating their bird seed and tearing down their bird feeders and occasionally getting into their houses or they're killing livestock. Yeah, the, there was a black bear. Where was that black bear today that made the news? Got shot inside somebody's house. They knifed it and shot it. Oh, wow. There was there was a person in Steamboat a couple weeks ago that had a bear in their garage. Yep. This is the time of year, too, isn't it, uh, Jeff? Kind of like maybe starting in March, and right now they get a little more active. You, you know what? One of the things, before we go down this road too far, what I'd be interested in to hear is what you were doing when you hired Kelly, because I've heard a few times Kelly's mentioned that her first project, and maybe you guys could talk about that, was a, hair, a bear hair study. What, what was it for? What was it? Because I think one of the things that happens is, is that they pay you biologists to do work, and then you bring it to the city or the state or the leg, you know, the, the powers to be, the government, the, the bureaucrats, the commission, and then they scramble the information with a political agenda. Um, but what was it that you were specifically working on it? Why were our tax dollars being spent on you two? Yeah. And so, well, and first off, too, I'd say uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife is nearly 100% funded by license sales and taxes on sporting goods and ammunition. So we don't actually receive much in the way of tax money. We do get some um, lottery fund money. So there, there's a little bit of that and then grants and other things. So um, it's really licensed dollars spent on these, these projects. Um, and if I remember correctly, the reason those bear hair snags were originally initiated is probably because we needed to come up with more evidence and hard data on what's what are our bear populations like around the state you know we're always getting pressure from groups anti-hunting groups um people that really love predators and think we shouldn't be hunting them and saying you guys don't have enough information on these things to do what you're doing so i i believe that's why we started doing these there were nine total um bear hair snag projects done around the state nine different areas Steamboat uh, Springs came on. We were like kind of middle of the road. So we were probably like the, I don't know, fifth or sixth, seventh, maybe one that got, got started. And what the idea behind that was is you take a big area. And in this case, we have a bear data analysis unit. So in Colorado, we manage all these things by what we call a data analysis unit. It doesn't matter if it's deer, elk, moose, um, bears, lions, we got a data analysis unit. So we have this big area, geographic area. In this case, um, the one that we're talking about covers about 3,000 total square miles, mostly north of Steamboat, down west towards the city of Craig and up to the Wyoming border, and then east clear over into to North Park, Jackson County. Um, so in order to kind of get a, an estimate of the density of bears within that area, you take random samples, and in this case, we did four square kilometer grids randomly thrown out on a map, and 
in, within those grids, each one of those grids got a bear hair snag. The bear hair snag, and, and Kelly, hey, jump in at any time because you were the one on the ground going to most of the bear hair snags. That's true, yeah. But they were, I, if I remember, that was like a, a 10 by 10 meter barbed wire fence, basically, strung and where we could in most cases between trees and kind of a square or rectangular pattern anywhere from 18 to um, 30 inches off the ground. Some cases there was a single wire, some cases two wires. And you wanted to have barbed wire on there so that it would snag the bear's hair when it passed through the wire. In order to get that bear to go within the enclosure, we hung a um, scented strip of burlap from a tree near the center of that um, square hopefully out of reach of the bear so the bear would smell the scent come in there cross the wire snag some hair and try to investigate this scented strip hanging down and hopefully not get a food reward by doing that because what the one thing we didn't want to do is have bears become habituated to some kind of food source and come in there and try to get that food so in this case all they're getting is a piece of burlap with in most cases, what we used was um, extracts of, of various flavorings, strawberry, caramel, vanilla. Kelly, what all did we try? There was about a dozen different ones. Yeah, all sorts of sweet smelling what things. What worked best? And then, well, so it was funny. So when I moved over to work in Middle Park with Kirk, we used a ton of rotten fish. So we went out, we gill netted fish, <laughs> put it in a giant tub and let it cook for about three months. And I have never smelled anything worse in my life, I swear. So we did a mixture, and we, and we found that different bears came to different scents. So if you use sweet the entire time, you're attracting a certain bear, and some bears were more attracted to the nastiest smell you've ever smelled. So hmm. we, we did quite a variance, and we recorded every week. We, we switched the bait out every week, and we recorded what we used. How high off the ground did you have to go? As far as to hang them above mm -hmm. the bear's reach? Yeah. Um, as high as possible really um never had one reach oh yeah oh you did yeah yeah, oh. yeah they, yep, yep. <laughs> it's a little bit like squirrels yeah, fact, some, <laughs> they figure out a way yeah yeah we put some cameras on some of the sites got some pretty interesting pictures of bears trying to get that burlap and rubbing and scratching on trees and things like that um but um so then ultimately what you do then is you collect all the hair that gets stuck on the wire and uh, so you didn't accidentally, um, say, leave some hair on there and come back the next week and check it again and, and say, oh, our bear came back and we got it twice. Um, we'd burn the hair off the wire so that it was all gone. And you, if you got any hair, it was a fresh, either a recapture event where the same bear came back or else a new bear came along and got snagged on it. And what I did, because I was trying to analyze the bears within the whole DAU, and I we didn't put these across the entire thing. There were something like 20 total sites that we had, but we distributed them, even some stuff we knew was crappy habitat. Like it randomly fell within a big pasture. And the only way to put the snare out there was to put up some T posts and hang some wire around it and try to put a scent somewhere that if a bear came along, it was not going to just have to walk right over and pick up the scent. But, um, in most cases, those didn't get any hits or they got very few. And the stuff that's in the prime bear habitat got more. But if I'm trying to estimate how many bears were in that data analysis unit, 
based on the number of square miles it covered, then I really had to do some that were in crappy habitat, some that were in the good habitat. So we got kind of an average. This was and, this was to determine the number of bears or genetic diversity or? Uh, well, really, it's just it's trying to determine the number of bear, individual bears. So you can come up with what is what is about the density of bears. And you could tell if they're male or female, too, from the genetic uh, work. So you figure out how many males, how many females and um, the number based on a um, calculation after everything was said and done. Because we ran these for like, I'm trying to remember, six or eight weeks total, you know, like July and August. And um, then it all gets sent in. All the hair samples got sent into a laboratory for DNA analysis up in Canada. And so then they send all the results back and it gets analyzed. The area that we were in uh, around Steamboat, which was considered a medium uh, density bear area, um, we estimated somewhere in about um, one bear for every three and a half square miles. Now you think, boy, that's not very many bears. Well, the reason is because some of those areas had probably one bear for 20 square miles. Some of them probably had four or five bears in a square mile in the better bear habitat, but we had to average it over the, to get an estimate of that entire bear data analysis unit, how many bears live in that whole thing. Were they ever so able kind of, to look at, I remember we were collecting hair and seeing if one individual traveled to another site. Did they ever do any conclusive data to see what the movement was? I don't remember. You know what? I, I honestly, I look back at Jerry's report here the other day. Um, our former predator manager, Jerry Apker, did a report on all of those um, bear hair snag sites that were done. And I don't recall seeing that, Kelly, um, if we had evidence of a moving between bait sites. Um, from radio collar studies, though, it's been pretty apparent that some years bears move a lot and some years they don't move far at all. And it's not that unusual to have a bear move. 20 or 30 miles between sites on in different years. Right. I was going to say, I do know in northern Wisconsin, I had a buddy that worked on a program and they killed a bear that they tagged in one area. And then four days later, they that bear was actually killed and it was over 40 miles away. Mm -hmm. So it mm -hmm. just got on, the, it just got on, you know, it just got on and moved. It started, just started going, you know. Um, so they can obviously cover some distance. And it was a younger juvenile male. So I think that, you know, a lot of times that's probably what you mm -hmm. see, much like lions, right? Um, young young lions can just get up and go, you know. <laughs> South Dakota lions end up in Connecticut Missouri and Oklahoma and, yeah, and Kansas. Nebraska. So, that, so, that was a Wisconsin bear. That was, a, that, that was where that bear broke in. What, was it Wisconsin? Yeah, Wisconsin's mm -hmm. full of bear. So to give you an idea, and now, now we've had some of the same – I say we because I moved from Wisconsin – it was a big political thing there, too, because they were like, we need to kill more bears. We need to kill more bears. And then Madison, uh, the socialistic um, country of Madison inside the state of Wisconsin, um, you know, vetoed everything, said, no, we're not going to do that. Well, Hillsboro, Wisconsin is just outside of La Crosse. And three years ago, my uncle's sitting on his front porch of his farm and he looks out and he says, oh, well, that's weird. Somebody's black labs down there rutting around. And then he looks and there's another black lab rutting around. And then pretty soon there's a giant black lab rutting around. Mm -hmm. And he's like, those aren't black labs. <laughs> those are bears. And it was a mom and two cubs. Well, you know, northern Wisconsin to southern Wisconsin is a long ways 
and there's a sharp contrast and difference in uh, really uh, the density of forest and, and the chemistry of the forest, you know. And uh, But, you know, when they got nowhere to go and they're overpopulated, they move on to find a new range, you know. Yep, and following food sources, there's even um, occasionally when I was in the southeast part of the state, and if you've ever been out into southeastern Colorado in the middle of July and it's 102 degrees and there's nothing but short grass prairie, the Arkansas River bottom, and then some irrigated farmland there, it, it looks pretty barren out there except those fields. And we would get bears occasionally show up clear out around Rocky Ford in watermelon fields. Really? What in the world is a bear doing out here? But yeah, follow the river down there and end up in a watermelon patch. So I have your, I have your, you are, I believe that you're the Northwest Regional Prepared for Colorado Division of Wildlife by Jeff A. Yost. Um, uh, is this you? Uh, um, data March 2011, approved by the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Commission by 2011. And I find this interesting as I'm reading it, uh, sitting here talking to you. It says to maintain a recreational harvest and reduce uh, um, property damage and human bear conflicts. So that was your current objective. Um, your current yes. mortality objective was to harvest 30 total mortality objective 45 to 50 and then um and then your new strategic goal is to decrease the population for five years then stabilize population at new level by monitoring harvest credit uh, um, uh, criteria on three-year running average and adjusting licenses may to maintain the trend minimize game damage from bears to the extent uh to the extent possible um, and so you had a pretty elaborate plan here as I'm reading it broke down. Was this based on Kelly and your study? Actually, that confirmed a lot of what we were um, making assumptions on on a, our population level. And in previous uh, work on bear estimating bear populations, there were some things done similar to what we did with the bear hair snags. Uh, Tom Beck back in the day actually went out with the culvert type traps with the, you put a bait in it, big old culvert, it's got a door that slams down, much like what we use today to transport a problem or nuisance bear somewhere. Um, and they did the same thing, only they actually had to capture the bear and physically handle the bear to get the samples off of it. Um, and so by doing that, he came up with estimates of bear densities based on habitat types. And interestingly, when he did that study, he came based on his habitat types and bear densities. We used that as one of our gauges on what we thought we had for bears in that B4 data analysis unit that we're talking about and came up with about 1,100 bears in that area. Well, um, there was a couple other habitat studies that were done and they came up with other estimates of like 1,400 to on the high end, 830 on the low end, and a couple population models. Well, by the time we got done doing our bear hair snag study, it fell somewhere close to that 1100 range. I can't remember what it was exactly, 1030 or something. So it did confirm what we thought we already knew that we had probably a fair number of bears and we could withstand a bunch more harvest on bears. Um, based on, and as you guys probably are well aware, maybe not so well aware, I know folks tend to think, hey, you guys are wildlife biologists, you work for a fishing game agency. And so 
you're managing to a, po a population that's biological population. That's what the habitat can support. Uh, that's not the case in most instances. In most instances, we're, we're actually managing to a, um, a political population level. What does the general public, what, what do they want? What do they demand? What will they accept? So, uh, so time, time, time out. Let me get this straight. Because yeah. I just need to get, I have a really small brain, super low IQ. Um, I'm not a dentist, all right? So um, so just a, a guy with a meat science degree. Um, yeah. So you guys get all the data. You research it hours and hours in the field. You substantiate your information with facts and forms and collected research. Then you take it to the state level, and they scramble it based on a political, emotional agenda and then um, throw it all out. And yet, yet, if I understood you right in the beginning, CPW works from hunters' licenses. So the hunters yes. pay for your uh, data, and then the consumer set up. Super jacked up <laughs> system. Um, I believe myself, that, that was an yeah. F word. Yeah. Yeah, politics drives, pretty much drives everything. Um, well, I bet you enjoyed your job at the end with all this because I'm reading this, uh, and I, I, I'm sorry I interrupted again, but I, I, and then you run with some of this stuff. But I, it's, I find it interesting that bears you I have identified, if I'm reading your report right, bears particularly love domestic sheep, and they're hardest on domestic sheep in a state that has the number one rated lamb and mutton meat content from a meat science guy. Everybody wants Colorado raised lambs, right? And yet the bear are obviously raising havoc because you have lots of complaints, and so you are studying this stuff. I mean, how bullshit is this? So our not your not your data, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, well, in the end, this thing. Uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to a couple of points here in a minute, but it, it'll take me a minute to get there. Um, in the end, we currently now have some really great bear hunting opportunity and lots and lots of licenses, way more than we had before. Um, but the damage part of things is um, we were paying somewhere around $30,000 a year or up to as much as $30,000 a year in Route and Moffat counties on game damage claims for livestock loss. 80% of that is sheep. Some of it's cattle. Um, there might be a wow. goat or two thrown in there, that kind of thing, but it's real. Um, a bear can get into a band of sheep and kill 15 or 20 sheep in a night, or maybe it's three or four a, a day for several days in a row. So they don't have and, a, they don't have a limit like a hunter does. They just, they, they, there's no limit, huh? How do you think the, uh, how are the wolves going to do on that limit? Um, yeah, from what I'm hearing, they're, they're, um, Overbagging. <laughs> <laughs> Je yeah. Jess, I remember, I remember you telling me a story about a bear in Walden specifically that went after a flock of sheep. And how many sheep did he kill? Well, that so in Walden, that was probably not the sheep. It was those um, steers. Oh, that's right. But how many did he kill, that bear? So when it finally ended up getting caught and killed. Um, that bear 
so yeah, to make make a long story pretty short, there was some uh, a rancher complaining about losses to his his cattle, and it was happening multiple years in a row in a pasture. And he tried and tried to figure out what the heck was going on, and a lot of times he wasn't even finding the cows or the the steers that were missing. So, um, our Parks and Wildlife folks, along with uh, the federal agency um, Wildlife Services came over and tried to see if they couldn't catch this because they assumed they found a, a dead uh, cow or two. And uh, they came over and tried to get the bear caught. Well, in their investigation, trying to figure out just what was going on there, um, they found three or four different dead steers from that spring already. And then back in the bushes and the willows and stuff where these other ones, near where these other ones were, they just found piles of bones back there. So this thing had been killing these critters for whatever three four or five years in the same general area and dragging them back in the bushes and some of these things they were four four to five hundred pound steers that were getting killed wow um, that was a serious a serious bear that one uh talking to the guys who went over there when this occurred and looking at the damage said this bear was just smashing their skulls in it just hit a hold of them so by then you don't you don't bother relocating those do you or what do you do with that yeah, nope. they, relo- much they relocate them on a gurney. That's right. <laughs> so, and see, this brings us back to this other issue that I'm going to, that I know we all want to talk about a little bit, and that's our our Amendment 10 that, that banned uh, spring bear hunting and hunting with dogs, and the season dates were allowed to hunt, because in this case, we couldn't put a licensed hunter on that bear or any bear that doesn't occur within the new statutory guidelines after and i'll explain what the amendment 10 was but amendment 10 limited um our bear hunting says where you cannot hunt bears from march 1st till through september 1st so any kind of damage or anything that might occur within that period you cannot legally have a hunter out there to to, um take that bear out whereas if August, say late July, August are when you're getting most of your damage, especially up on the National Forest in bands of sheep. We can't put a hunter on it. So Wildlife Services comes in there or Parks and Wildlife, depending upon what the issue is, has to kill the animal and it's a damaged animal. And if the, the feds come in and kill it, Wildlife Services, they can't even utilize it. It, it has to just lay there on the ground and rot. So they don't get a hide, they don't get meat doesn't get utilized and in this area we're talking about in just this data analysis unit as many as 25 or 30 bears a year are killed for damage and that's what happens that's the end result such a waste yeah so there's hunters there's hunters capable and willing to pay for a tag and probably even pay dearly for a great one to hunt in, in a season like that and then the animal would be used the resource would be absorbed by the consumer that took it but instead these uh, um, hugging uh, individuals that are in these big cities think it would be better just to uh, leave them laying rot and go back into the earth. Um, What's really unfair is, is this the sportsmen pay for everything. They pay for the. They don't get to make the decisions. They they right. pay for the personnel. They pay for all the studies, and then Joe Blow, who's uh, you know wandering around in Boulder. Gets to, gets to choose how to how to manage it. Well, he's figuring out if what gender he is or she is. Oh my gosh! Oh gosh. No, seriously. <laughs> and then and then he and then they vote against killing a bear. Oh boy! 
Yeah. Yep. And that. So <laughs> okay. We that, swerved that, off topic. <laughs> no, we haven't. I'm, I'm calling it. <laughs> that's a red. That's a yellow flag. <laughs> bleep that shit out. Bleep. <laughs> yeah. So that, 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 that's, just, that, that's so frustrating, though. Yeah. You know. It, it's wildlife management by the ballot box. No, it's wildlife mismanagement man, right. mismanagement yeah. from the ballot box. Yeah. Yep. You know, and I what mean, happened with that one? It's your wolves. Was, your wolves have me so upset. I mean, golly, I, you know, if the black bear are creating problems, that's like a half half a day's worth of work once you get a good pack of wolves in there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so go ahead. You were you were just saying something about that, and then real quick, um, just so that all of us listening, including me, because I'm listening to you, is that basically in Moffat and uh, is it Root or Route? Route. 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 Is that in Route counties? Yeah, that's that. They are the numbers that I'm throwing out there. I don't have the stuff for this for like the statewide damage. But so that's basically those two counties. It includes Jackson County as well. But there's just no domestic sheep over there. So there's minimal um damage that occurs there other than occasional cattle so just before the podcast jeff you and i were talking about total population of of black bear in colorado and you said it was i mean i've seen figures like two 2022 figures as low as twelve thousand, and i was like "Hmm." i thought it was higher than that and and you say it's it's closer to twenty thousand. Seventeen to twenty thousand is the population yeah yeah, yeah, that's what I've been seeing on our estimates currently is somewhere in the eighteen to twenty thousand range. So they could stand a little bit more management, I would say. For sure. Well, yeah. This um, this area is obviously dense because I'm reading here. It says human conflict areas. These are two major types of bear human conflicts. B dash four. The first and most important financial is game damage to agricultural in Moffat and Root Route right. uh, counties. Sheep losses to black bear can be in the tens of thousands of dollars annually, with great variables between years. Jackson County having a lower density of bear population. Domestic sheep rarely have livestock. So, so I guess you did write this. You're kind of scripting it out there for us today pretty good stuff yeah that well actually so it's kind of interesting that bear plan was the first official bear plan written in the state of colorado we were just getting kicked into wow um where the pressure was hey congratulate feather in your hat yeah no politics it up yeah yep I, I should I have sat believe. on my hands longer, maybe, but I, I raised my hand and said, okay, I'll take a stab at the first one, so you, the rest of you all have something to, to work off of and write your own. Well, it's funny because right now, South Dakota, in this upcoming uh, primary election, we have Amendment C, and there's a, you know, the thought is, is that we're trying to make it harder for outside state groups to come in and push their junk on us. Their agendas. Yeah. 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 Well, it, this is obviously somewhere, I mean, got giantly uh, political because if you just look at the economics of this, and, and listen, by the way, everything I'm quoting here, uh, everybody listening, is not mine. It's, it's Mr. Jeff Yost. I'm just feeling pretty good because I uh, pulled his uh, stuff up. <laughs> um, anyway, and uh, I'm like, dude, there's a lot of analytics here, buddy. Um, Jeff, but here, listen to this. It's estimated that hunting directly contributes to 40 Five million annually to the ec- ec- uh, economies of Moffat and Root and uh, Jackson. Uh, wow. No, J- Route Moffat and Route counties. Forty-five million million. Just in those counties. Just in those two. See, yeah, that might that might be to the state. I can't I can't remember. It's been too long since I wrote that. 
<laughs> it's still a lot, no matter how it's you slice it. It's been too long it. since he wrote about route. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know what, Jeff, if you could wave your magic wand, what what would you recommend? What what should the state do? Um, okay, so here's first off, we can't do much, and this is why, because that was um an amendment passed by the voters in the Colorado by 70% of people voted in favor of amendment wow. 10. What amendment 10 did is it banned spring bear hunting, the use of bait for bear hunting, and the use of hounds for bear hunting. And it was all based on emotions of boo-hoo, there's a bunch of sows with cubs getting killed in the spring season, and this is baloney, and we shouldn't allow it. Now, I was back in college at the time, and I went over to my local grocery store, and much to my surprise, there's a guy standing out front with a table full of propaganda about this Amendment 10, and every housewife that walked by, he's giving them the orphan bear photos and you know the spiel about how this uh hunting in the spring of bears is killing off these sows and orphan and cubs and they need to sign the petition totally bullshit because dogs eliminate all of it because you can see if it's a female or a male and the boars would be taken and it'd be a better management situation bait too you get to sit and watch it yeah did a cub come in yeah yep yeah so Interestingly, I stopped and I started talking to the guy and started pointing out the facts and the fact that it's illegal to kill a sow with cubs in the state. And eventually, after about a minute, he got all nervous and said, uh, 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 I got to go use the bathroom. And he left and never <laughs> came back. Good for you. Seems about right. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, because that has now passed in the legislation, the only way to reverse that is to get that up you know, to a vote again. And frankly, the way our population level is on the front range right now, and it passed, shoot, it passed, <laughs> you know, 20, 30 years ago now. Um, yeah, it's only no going to get worse. No, and, they just need to get 5,000 bears, let them go in Boulder, yeah. and have them eat every puppy in the uh, city for every one of these uh, Boom. Um, gender-confused moms and dads, and uh, we'd be having a different vote. And their children. Puppies and children. You know, yes. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> wow. So well, it's just all, like all Colorado, uh, California. Though. That uh, coyote, didn't it kill and drag off a kid, little kid? Just just happened. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a pretty sad way to find a troubling lesson. So, Jeff, you were going to... Uh, say a little bit more to that point yeah i was i was gonna say all all is not lost though even though we lost all these opportunities and i totally agree if people really understood the bear hunting thing and just what you guys said you're hunting over bait if you're hunting with the dogs you can spend some time identify exactly what you're looking at not hunting in the fall and shooting a bear at 275 yards across the hillside you know what you've got when when you pull the trigger if you're with the dogs or bait um you know, and, and there's folks who will tell you even to this day that, oh, my gosh, the, the issues we have now with more bears and bear conflicts, human bear, human conflicts and breaking into cabins and, you know, hurting somebody when they they're in the garage eating the dog food and the bear and the guy run into each other and he, he gets knocked over and chewed on or scratched up is because we don't have a spring bear season. However, it didn't take but a couple of years after the spring bear season ended and our bear harvest exceeded what we were taking in the spring and fall combined prior to that and it stayed fairly high 
We're still um, actually taking a lot of bears every year. And our opportunities um, in the past, say, five years or so with bears, and I think a lot of it was spurred by these studies that we worked on and these management plans we've written showed we have more bears than we thought we had, and we can harvest a lot more bears. So our bear hunting opportunity, especially two years ago, we, we have so many more bear hunting opportunities now in this state than we did 10 or 15 years ago. It's pretty, pretty amazing, really. When I look back and some of those statistics are in that management plan, um, boy, back in like 2005 or something to now, we have 10 times the bear licenses for like our um, uh, September rifle bear season. This bear DA you were talking wow. about before, we have 1,000 rifle bear licenses for September 2nd through September 30th. So there's opportunity there. And now we have um, licenses that we call it uh, an add-on license, where if you've got a, if you're hunting in a unit where you can't buy an over-the-counter bear license of some kind, and you haven't drawn one of these other limited licenses for September, you can, if you're archery hunting, you can get a add-on bear license. So you got your deer license or your elk license already. Now you can, for a hundred bucks, even if you're non-resident, you can buy a bear license to go with your deer or elk license. And then some of the rifle seasons, you can just buy a bear tag that is concurrent with any other deer or elk rifle season and, and go hunt a bear. So there's opportunity out there right now. And, and, Oh, you know, it's just, it's pretty much an unlimited source. There's what we call licenses are A, B, or C. And if it's an A license, you can only get one a year. If it's a B license, you can get two. And if it's C, then you can buy an unlimited number. In most cases, there's very few things that are a C license, but a lot of our areas now, these bear licenses have gone to list B. So if you initially get a license in your hand and um, you want a second one and there's a leftover license of some kind that you can pick up or buy another one over the counter. You could actually shoot two bears now. Hmm. Wow. I didn't know that. I didn't. I, I, yeah, that, that's. You know, the, just the thing about Colorado, though, I mean, and you guys were talking about this before the podcast started. And I know, Kelly, you can attest to this, is that Rolling Bones does a boatload of applications in Colorado. And most people think Colorado, they think what? Deer elk. elk. Exactly. Yep. They don't think bear. Wolves. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> Wolves, okay. <laughs> not yet, Brian, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, do you think, you know, Jeff, it, it kind of falls to the state a little bit to promote that even a little bit more? Do we have dedicated bear hunting camps? We don't because of the way the license is. Well, some, we do, actually. Yeah. We do. We do. Yep, we do have a bear camp in one of our elk camps. Um, in Colorado? So, in Colorado, yep, we do. Um yeah, so we do we do actually well, we, offer. We do tons of we do do tons of apps there, but I mean, elk and deer. Deer, you know, Colorado has a phenomenal deer herd. I mean, just genetically, yeah. the mule deer population is amazing. Um, they have some good antelope, uh, but they have tons and tons of elk. That's what we just do. I mean, that's our that's our main thing in Colorado. So, so this this bear camp we have, mm-hmm. it, it shot opportunity is pretty high in it. It is, and he sees big bears. Really? Yep, yep. It is an area you do have to put in um, for your rifle tag, but 
there's generally leftover tags. So really? we, ha- we haven't had anyone not draw. I think we've sent a couple people we there. Sh- we should send something out to people on that because of fall bear hunt. Um, I, I think this predator hunting is gaining more and more attraction. And a lot of guys are finding out, well, if it doesn't have horns, it's less expensive to hunt because the outfitters just get more for it because it has horns. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. So do I have a bruise right in the middle of my forehead? <laughs> Does anybody know? I got something thrown at me by an asshole this I, I, weekend. I don't see and anything, it hit Brian. Me right in the middle of a forehead, not so much right here or right here, but like right there. I was just. Why is there a story I don't behind see anything. this? I was just looking because I, I just looked at Brad and I envisioned him having a black eye, and I don't know if that's a forecasting uh, thing I'm envisioning. But anyway, hey, um, I do apologize about that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to hit you in the head. dude. Uh, hey, um, Jeff, quick question for you. Um, I'm looking at your 2000 to 2009 um, graph here on damage claim per year in B4 2002 to 2009. And the last year, you have quite a jump in yellow, um, and yellow was exotic stock. <laughs> just, just, just for conversation, just for curiosity' sake, did did a bear get into somebody's um, like? exotic chicken coop well, i guess poultry's here and you have that but uh is it alpacas i don't was it an alpaca was it a what was that's it? what i'm thinking that's what i if i remember correctly that's what that was it was llamas or al- alpacas or something <laughs> yeah. like that they're like sitting ducks <laughs> a bear is wandering along going holy shit, look at that a pile of alpacas let me and they're fenced in i can crawl over that fence and raven that's havoc okay let's just go kill a herd of them too while i'm at it i bet it wasn't a donkey so that's interesting yeah a donkey um <laughs> donkeys are mean i got you that's why they protect the alpacas yeah. right uh, yeah. yeah so they're mean well I, I'll, I'll tell you too and and you know kelly was mentioning the fairly high success rate and getting those those bear tags and you, you know we don't grow like humongous bears on average out here but um you know there's the possibility of shooting three and 400 pound male black bears. That's, that's not at all out of the realm. Um, Yeah. You know, my buddy killed a bear in Cal park actually. And it, we measured the skull. That's why I had Brian bring in the calipers Mm -hmm. and it was 19. That's a big bear. That's a giant bear color phase. And it had been uh, um, dead for years in Cal park. What, right? No, no, that's no that, but that was a bear that I found on, uh, on rabbit ears pass. I found a dead bear. But this was a bear that he actually killed in Cal Park. Oh, really? Yep. Yep. Giant bear. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's one of the, the bad things with the the deal with us not being able to put hunters on those bears killing sheep because quite often they're the mature, the older big bears. I look at the, they estimate the weights on all those things. They have to report what gets killed um, and whether it's male or a female and probably Two thirds of those bears are males and they're older males that weigh the small ones weigh 200 and 250 pounds. The typical ones a 300, 350 pound bear. So I'm looking at the uh, black bear mortality and it says hunter harvest. Is it just is it just because of access that most of them are killed around that mystic McGregor and then steamboat? Or is it because that's where the highest density of them are? Or is it primarily just because that's where the hunters are hunting them at? Or is it pretty evenly proportioned through those two counties? It, it's a little bit of both. What you said is access and habitat because that's kind of that Aspen oak brush interface because it does kind of make a line that comes down across there. Mm-hmm. So 
those bears are in that better bear habitat to begin with and it's not that far from because when you if you know how that country lies kelly knows it well because she had to walk all over in it <laughs> a lot of the stuff isn't easy access if you get a couple miles back it's right. steep it's dense so it's the typical thing hunters aren't hiking in there real far and they're not making a lot of effort on a black bear this is why we are not coming close to meeting those objectives that we set in that plan though we put out a thousand bear licenses and all in some years, all of them eventually sell. And out of those 1,000 bear licenses floating around, the rifle bear licenses, if you look at hunter participation days, it's going to be 350 to 400 participation days out of 1,000 licenses. So that just a, a, a participation day is a hunter went out for one day or said, I hunted one day. So a bulk of those licenses are not getting used. And if they are getting used, they're getting used very lightly, and I suspect some out of that 350 or 400, there's got to be 50 of those people that spent five days out there. So they're, you know, it, and I'm guilty of it too. I've picked up the bear license for September about eight or 10 times, and I've probably actually spent about six or seven days total out of all those years actually going out and trying to to find a bear well, a lot of it probably is okay i'm going to put a bear a bear tag in my pocket exactly. too i'm going to go hunting and i'm going to i'm going to grab a bear tag yep but really what you're yeah. after is yeah. deer elk yeah and i'm going to be opportunistic yep. if there's a big boar i'm going to play wackadoodle with it otherwise i got it yep or you wait on yeah. that gut pile so this yeah. was a 2005 <laughs> to 2009 study and if i'm reading your map right you had one illegal poached bear in that oh no 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 i'm sorry two illegal poached bears in that entire time frame in that entire unit um is that right nope three i got three now three is all that's not a lot so either no so there's just not a lot of bears getting poached or that we know of um you know (laughs) there's, there's always the nuisance bear that gets shot and rolled into a hole and never heard from again you get stomach flu yeah. Yeah. Gut rot. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yep, yep. so Jeff, you know, what, what happens when reality eventually catches up to the politics? I mean, what's, what's going to happen here? Um, you know, with the number of bare human interactions, I see a lot of that I know depends on if it's a drought year or not, or there's a lot of factors that go into that. But I would assume as the population increases, and as you talked about more people moving in, it's not going to get better. And all the data that we've looked at says that it's not getting better between, you know, human and bear interactions. No, that's absolutely true. We're going to have more and more conflicts with people and mostly on the urban wildland kind of interface stuff and the, well, touristy towns like Steamboat Springs and that where you've got, you know, 40% of the population here is on vacation from somewhere and, for for them to go out and see a bear that's super cool even if yeah. that wow, means wow look at this yeah <laughs> we're going to leave our garbage out there and let the bears come eat it cuz we want to get yeah. pictures of them and stick them not, on facebook not good um like yeah. i just uh had a conversation with the administrative assistant here in town with parks and wildlife and asked her how things have been going this spring and and uh she said this week she knows of 12 to 14 individual bears between where the office is and a landmark, which I'm not going to name, which is maybe five miles as the crow flies from the office that are in town in the city limits 
getting into trash and garages and roaming the streets and whatever they're doing and yeah and they're not going to stop that that becomes no. that becomes habitual behavior for them because it's an easy meal you know it's it's yeah. like it's 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 like homeless people you know eventually it's like hey I'm, I'm here. Being invited. Look, at, look at the deer population in Spearfish. I mean, it's, just, it's yeah, it just used to insane. migrate out. Now it's like, yeah, they why just migrate live out? here. I'm right. eat this. this I is, heard this is better vittles. I heard a terrible story about some of the just kind of to keep talking about bears, but the grizzlies in um, Jackson. So they've got that giant grizzly, and she always has triplets, and everyone goes and takes photos. Well, they had to yeah, like bear eight hundred one or whatever. yeah, whatever three ninety nine, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, well, they had to kick one of the the young boars off, and the people felt so bad that they had to remove it um, that they put bags of dog food out at the end of their driveways, to, so that it would come so they could take pictures. So people are actually giving them death sentences to the ones that they think they're yeah, saving. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you know what? These guys have no idea. You know, it's like the other day. I forget what I was doing, but I told my wife. I said, um, there's one thing I'm better at than anything, and that's probably being a redneck country boy. Because when mm -hmm. you grow up as a redneck country boy, you're a redneck country boy. You know what I'm saying? So you always know how to hook up a trailer and wire something together, and you always know how to kill nuisance um, and, and, and And I don't sound cruel, but when we had a dog that started running deer or running livestock on our property, there was one real quick solution for that dog, and it was a rifle in the back of your pickup. And then, the, and and I know that sounds super cruel, and we'll probably get some hate mail on that. But listen, when you make your money on livestock, and the neighbors make their money, if I didn't do it, guess who was gonna? The neighbor man. And then when the neighbor man killed your dog, you weren't his best neighbor anymore. And exactly. you were more concerned with the neighbor man's help during a snowstorm or with a bad, with, with a breech cow than you sure the hell were with your local dog and, and, uh, um, and petting it in the afternoon. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Was it, did I say that too bad for a dog lover, Brad? <laughs> That's practical management. That's what management is. <laughs> That's not going to buy you a lot of love, man. <laughs> Well, I sorry, but if they were running deer all the time, we we you know I notice in your neighborhood there's a dog that gets up every morning and he runs two or three miles around the loop and chases deer. I just saw him in my yard the other day. Oh, you did? Yeah. Well, you know where that comes. Yeah, that I know comes right from. where he comes from because yeah. I saw him a week ago at six forty-five in the morning picking you up while the neighbor's yeah. doing chores and his dog's out there hauling ass chasing deer everywhere and just across a, yeah. a, a countless amount of acres. Well, eventually a mile's not far enough, and then two miles isn't far enough. Just like the bears that. Uh, Jeff's speaking of they don't they don't wake up in the morning scratch your belly and go well this is my city block I'm going to stay right in this and be an irritation and a pain in the ass to these people they, they just they just go well, you like know? you said they follow the food yeah yeah it's crazy well that 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 dog well he's that guy's got four dogs or three dogs no, or that something. dog that he's dog, just playing I mean, he's not, he's not eating those deer. No, I, he's I just like, understand. oh, let's see how fast I am today. But in our neighborhoods, when you were playing with livestock no, I know. or stuff I, like I know. that, I get it. then animals got out and shit happened. And, and, you know, it's just, yeah, I get it. Bad behavior isn't, you know, good behavior, um, even though it's cute. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. that's just a dog, just a bear being a bear. Yeah, until it eats your four-year-old. Exactly. Yep. And what Colorado Parks and Wildlife has a two-strike policy on – problem bears and you know it, we always say it's you know it's not a bad bear it's people that are doing stuff they shouldn't and the bears just being a bear and so he gets into stuff and then he gets in trouble um if he hasn't hurt a person or caused serious property damage he could get captured and relocated somewhere else and generally um 
the guidelines say to take them 90 air miles or 75 air miles, just meaning a straight line from wherever they're captured and that, before they're released. That's just an easy um, little stroll back. back. <laughs> <laughs> Need and, to start counting by uh, twos. Yeah, and because of what you said, it, it literally there's been times you move one 40 miles and it is back in three days, right where it was and where it came from. Um, we've got people now that are wise to the, the two strikes thing. And so sometimes they don't report incidences. So we probably don't hear a lot about them because they feel sorry for the bear. But the majority of instances where bears are causing issues, if you read the stories and it's going to be, oh, the bear's been getting into our bird feeders. And the next thing you know, it was in the garage and then it smelled the cupcakes on the counter and came through the screen door. <laughs> it's usually people's behavior. It's not necessarily yeah. it's, you know, time and time again, or we always keep the dog food in the garage and then they're in the d garage eating dog food because the, the garage door is up. The other thing, which you don't really think about unless you live around bears, how many of uh, you guys have all seen them, the door handles on doors that have the lever that you can raise up and down instead of turn the knob. Yep. Don't ever get those if you live around bears because they'll go in there and they'll push the lever and the door pops yep. open and yep. in they go. Almost every screen door is like that just about. Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah. That, that, I, I like what you said. They're just bears being bears, and, and they don't know, and, and we, we almost train them to some degree. It's like the dog, mm -hmm. it's like the dog that chases the ducks is going to chase the deer. You know what I'm saying? And you got to stop it when they're young or fix the behavior. Um, I do notice, uh, not to go back to the map, but I, I find a lot of uh, data on this sucker. You, you guys put in a lot of work. Um, there's not a lot of food up by Walden. <laughs> There's yes. no, there's no bear in that whole region. That makes me laugh. So there was a distinct line where the aspen met the uh, fir trees, and uh, that you can see here that geographically these bears just root themselves into and make a living. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And that's you know if if you're a bear hunter, um, and I learned a lot from doing the bear hair snag study. Where do I find a bear? Prior to that. I wouldn't necessarily have known to where to go look for bears, but once we figured out um, doing a little scouting around and where do you start seeing the bear sign, bear droppings, where bears been foraging on berries and laying in beds and whatever else, um, it's not that difficult to find bears if there's some around and you get in the right habitat, but you're right. You're, if, if you're not in the aspen and mountain shrub and that kind of thing, you're going to walk around a long time in a solid pine forest or down in the in the uh, sagebrush, and you're not going to find a bear. Right. The stream stream yeah. corridors, water sources, they're following them up and down. Where all the Heck, people got, like to put their houses, the bears like to live, too. Yep. <laughs> well, that's true. Think, yeah, nice, flat, grassy spot. Hey, that's a great spot. Isn't that, like, what is Glenwood Springs? Is that like Unit 4 or 8? I can't remember. Area? Well, yeah, there's multiple units down at 44, 42 that, or something is right in there. That, in that region, there's probably a lot, is where you have the highest concentration of human bear incidents. Yeah, and that was going on. Um, there were some years when there was a super uh, high amount of human bear conflict issues, and I think probably with some poor habitat years and bears coming into town. But they're also sitting there in some of the best bear habitat that we've got. Um, Trinidad's another similar area, Aspen. Aspen, yeah. Where, yeah, they just, there's bears concentrated there to begin with. And then when you have poor 
habitat well, years. That um, whole drainage, I would suspect, would be very conducive for bear based on what you said they like. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Basalt in that whole area. Yeah, that whole area. Um, yeah, absolutely. That, that's interesting. So, so Jeff, what are you doing now? Now, now you've 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 uh, you've gotten out of the public sector, if you will, from earning a living and providing that. Which, by the way, thank you from Rolling Bones. We appreciate all your years of service collecting those data. That data. Um, I love to know that hunters' licenses go to pay for quality research and they go to quality people. I mean, at least fifty percent of the time with you. Um, and Kelly, we had it go to quality. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, <laughs> not teasing. I saw your hand motion. I saw that. <laughs> uh, well, no, I, I appreciate that. Um, so what I'm doing is I'm uh, I, I'm done giving myself brain damage for the time being anyway, and I I work at our local Ace Hardware store, and I love it. I have a great time. The customers are super. The folks that own the store are great. And uh, so when you say local, where at? I know you said it earlier. You alluded to it. You've never said where are you living now? Oh, I I actually live over by Hayden. So I'm I'm (laughs) about 25 miles west of Steamboat Springs. So, yep. So you're right in that Yampa Valley. Right in the Yampa Valley. The river is like two miles from my house and California Park straight north of my house by 15, 20 miles. Are you a trout fisherman? Yeah, but I'm not a fly fisherman. I'm with you. I, I like to spin cast more than I do uh, um, fly fish, but I don't mind fly fishing. But I love working a stream upstream, hunting upstream for big trout. Yeah, I'll tell you, any, it, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll fish anything from, yeah, power bait to a fly in a bubble and everything in between. But I didn't find fly fishing with a fly rod and fly line all that relaxing. It was more frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> check copy i like your style brother so that's actually you're an anomaly then as a um of coloradian coloridian how do you pronounce that we always coloradan Coloradan. um even even when i have my offices there i never knew for sure coloradan um because most of those are real purist fly fishing guys right so good for you um so so you're loving it so you're you're basically retired from the state loving your life living um low stress do your thing every day and enjoying uh um the abundance of wildlife and nature in that area trying to remodeling a bunch of the house and finishing it we built this house about 12 years ago and never quite finished it so i just got done repainting almost 99 percent of the entire interior that's bad when you don't have it finished and you're on the remodel yeah exactly well i told my it's funny you say that because my son's uh just gutted a house him and his wife or it's not his wife it's his fiance they're getting married september and uh, um, they've had a little bit of help from their dad and mom with Lindley and I. And uh, yesterday we were over there and looked at the house and it's looking so good. And he said, we're just going to move in. And I said, whoa, 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 time out. You ain't moving in. And he goes, what? And I said, I will not give the blessing to move in until that last piece of trim is put up. Because the minute you move in, that piece of trim will never get put up, you know. Um, or if it does, it'll be years from now. <coughs> when you're ripping it out to redo the whole thing. So anyway, <laughs> so you, you, you understand that concept. Absolutely true. Now my dad used to say the same thing. We're not moving into anything until it's completely done, but that <laughs> somehow that does never really follow through, but it's good advice. <laughs> I like it. 
<laughs> I like it. Well, so so there's no no plans going back to the state and running any more uh, data analysis on uh, why we should have more hunting tags. No. No. <laughs> no. no so, go ahead, Joe. Now, now I can I can say what I think and I can have my own opinion about anything and I don't have to worry about That's what it. the state tells me you I can and can't it. say. So, so tell me what you think. Should we have more bear tags and should we have spring hunting in Colorado? You know, I don't. It, it was spring hunting would be cool because I'd like to be able to do it right here in my home state. Right. Um, what I really think we ought to have is a season that starts in, say, early August, so that we could actually put hunters on those bears that we can't right now. Oh, that makes sense. And and so so then with the population management management manage the right population too. And kill the right, trophies. Because yeah, I mean, that's real management going in and taking out an individual problem bear rather than just we can put out 8 million bear licenses and hope we're going to get the problem bears and we're going to get a bear that somebody randomly encounters is what we're going to get shot. And the bear that causes issues is probably not that likely to be shot right. with a 6% bear hunting success rate. Um, it's better than elk. Yeah, right. In some areas, that's true. Uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, and as we talked, that that six percent is only because there's not people out there. They're uh, putting their shoe leather to the ground and hunting hard. Otherwise, it'd be much higher. I put in for a fall bear, and that's all I'm hunting is fall bear in in Colorado. In Colorado, so you're down mm. there and knock down. That's a all I want. Is as a, a biologist, you snagged all those hairs. Now you'd like to put a hole <laughs> exactly. through one. Exactly. <laughs> I remember too. So what was your favorite part Payback of working time. with, what was your favorite part of working with, as we wrap this up, what was your favorite part of working with uh, um, Kelly? Oh gosh. <laughs> well, I can't think of one right now. Uh, no. <laughs> Wearing strawberry perfume. Uh, oh man. And right, right. That's how we got all those bears snagged. <laughs> no, honestly, um, this is what I've always thought throughout my entire career because I started somewhere and somebody helped me and people who went out of their way to, to help me out, give me pointers, give me advice, do whatever they could to help me out. So when I've seen somebody come along, such as Kelly, who is just like super enthusiastic, asking the right questions, and you know has that drive and desire to do something, um, you want to help them out as much as you can. And that's honestly, that's one of the things, take home things I'm always going to have um, from time spent with her is just genuine quality person, hard worker. And, you know, you, you know, I could tell she was going somewhere after about the second week she worked for us as a, as a volunteer. So, yeah. um, it's just awesome to see that, especially with the younger folks. And, you know, I can say younger folks, even though she's not a spring chicken anymore. I'm either. Not, but... No, I'm climbing the hill. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're, uh, you're, you're Give right. Me a break. Um, but you know what? It, it, it's funny you say that because Kelly is very uh, honest and integrity driven and she has a work ethic like a mule. And you just don't see that in, in, in most, uh, you know, 30 somethings today, you know. Um, yep. And she doesn't ask what the company can do for her first. She asks what she can do for the company and then reaps the benefit later. 
And from our perspective here, we couldn't be happier that you trained her really well and educated her. It's nice to meet the guy who give her all of her values other than her dad and mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, seriously, because you know what? Good people should know other good people and good people should do business with good people. And Kelly's just been great. She's, she's a giant asset for our firm. And my wife would, uh, um, if Kelly quit, my wife quits. So, um, <laughs> so um, and then that means I quit. And then Brad, it's all yours. No, <laughs> uh, no, I'm teasing. But uh, she, she does do a, an incredible job. So, Yep, oh, and she actually, and she knows, you can trust what she tells you. She knows what she's talking about. Yep. Boy, I tell you what, and uh, – um, she likes to know, so which is really cool. <laughs> well, we appreciate you so much being on. Um, I find this enlightening, you know, because we uh, as hunters always go, Amendment 10, Amendment 3, what the hell is going on here? Where do we sit here? Um, we pay all these money, and, and uh, you know, when they increase the hunting licenses 30%, 40%, or they add an additional tag or stamp, we, you don't hear hunters bitch. You don't hear us go, oh, that sucks. We go, hey, you know what? Let's do it, man. Let's get behind it. This money's going towards uh, um, the resources that support uh, this natural resource source and uh um and then it always pisses me off when like you said the politicians get involved and uh um scramble the data from its true intention and then it lands back with us with uh a, a narrative that wasn't what we were hoping for yeah when we were starting when we had our first mountain lion season it was a californian uh, mountain lion preservation group that sued the state to get it canceled the, you know. the wildlife groups get sued a lot, right, Jeff? Yeah. Oh, well, we have, yeah, we've got groups right now that are, would like to shut down predator hunting, lions, bobcats, and I'm sure bears are on their hit list. That's wow. Fair. Just crazy. Well, listen, as a hunter, if you're listening today, uh, your vote matters, and so does your neighbor's vote, and so does everybody else's vote that you can talk to. The thing I loved most about today is when Mr. Yost said that he went and talked to a guy that had some propaganda at a little stand, and when he got the facts thrown in his face, he ran off like a scurry little cat um, uh, scared of the dog that had the truth, you know. And so what we have to do is we have to stick together. If you're an archery hunter, muzzleloader hunter, rifle hunter, doesn't matter if you're a bird hunter, deer hunter, or a coyote hunter, because predators are my favorite to hunt. Um, we got to stick together and work together, and we got to continue to hire good people like uh, um, Kelly Poole and Jeff Yost to uh, get that data and to do what we do. And when we bastardize that, that system and that process so much that good people leave, and it gets replaced with not so good of people is where we need to be intimidated and scared and we need to come together as hunters. So anyway, um, really appreciate you listening today. Remember to subscribe to Hunt the World wherever you get your podcast. You'll find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and many others. Leave us an honest review rating, uh, rating and review, which will help others find the podcast. Tell us what you want to hear. We're always looking for good uh, topics to cover. And uh, we can uh, get people of influence with a, a tremendous amount of intelligence and uh, resources like we did today with uh, Mr. Jeff Yost. So, Jeff, thank you very, very much for coming on today. Hey, thank you, guys. I super appreciate the invite. And it was good to meet all you guys, Kelly, Brian, Brad. 
You as well. Thank yeah, you, thanks, Jeff. Jeff. Yes, thank you. Yep. Good to meet you, Jeff. Thank you. We appreciate you being here. And really quick, one more thing. Make sure you check out our membership. You want a resource like Kelly Pool to help you find your next adventure? Go to rollingbones.com. That's rollingbones.com and click on adventure tab. Uh, send us an email. Let us know. We can build a hunt plan for you. And we also have... Uh, um, we have the HELP program, Hunting Expedition Layaway Plan, that helps you incrementally save over a two to three year period. We can get you on that hunt that you might not think you can afford. Give us a call, let us know, start putting a little bit away. We can hold that spot. We have a lot of influence with our outfitters and, uh, um, and adventure providers, and we can help you get on your next adventure. So thanks for listening. Until next time, be safe, stay healthy, and happy hunting.